The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance on News Talk. Sporting liberties about the lack of green spaces and playing areas for sport in the Dublinate area. And he told us that he couldn't bear to think about the number of children who have suffered because they didn't have a green space or anything like it. Now, one of the people who's had first-hand experience of the lack of facilities is Tom McGee, president of Liberty Saints Rugby Club and founding member of Sporting Liberties. Good morning, Tom. Morning, Pat. Thanks for having us in. Now, uh, tell me about rugby and the Liberties. It is not um, a combination that readily springs to mind. Okay, well, that may be traditionally have been the case. Um, certainly in Dublin, there's a lot of uh, the rugby kind of players come from private schools, but that's not always the case around the country and doesn't necessarily have to be that way. So how did uh, the Liberty Saints come about? Um, a guy called Graham Jones in 2015 um, had, I suppose, an engagement with the community through a uh, project he set up called the Solace Project. And now, what did that do? That was an after-schools club that engaged with young people, um, would bring them, collect them maybe from uh, school at uh, primary school level, bring them off, get their homework done, maybe give them a hot meal and then bring them back to their parents about six o'clock in the evening. Um, that sounds like a very good programme. Very good. Um, but as the young people, the, the children got a bit older, it was kind of harder to engage with them um, on the homework and hot meal kind of basis. So Graham figured that rugby would be a good... I suppose, way to keep keep engaged with the people. What, was it that the Solace thing wasn't cool, you know, to be going off and doing your homework and having uh, some food rather than, you know, messing around with your mates? Yeah, I think so. But I think probably as well, there was more, because no, rugby was kind of uh, unusual to them and um, it might be only something you'd ever see on the TV, that it was, it, was attra- it was attractive in its own right as well. Yeah. So where do they play rugby? Now, that's the problem. So, um Traditionally, as you said, in the Liberties, rugby wouldn't be uh, something you'd see happen any, any day of the week. But then again, sport in general in the Liberties is something that isn't available to anybody. So rugby will have just as much a chance of uh, taking off as any other sport. But all of our matches are on an away basis. Uh, we train in an area the size of two tennis courts at the back of one of the local primary schools, which is really the only green area in uh, in the whole of Dublin eight, uh, community for 8,500 children and 65,000 people. And it's been that way for the last 20 years that I've been in there. So trying to develop the skills, I mean, you're not going to be able to throw the ball very far or even kick the ball very far. Kick the ball. Now, when when children are involved and it's kind of minis rugby under 12, under 13, that's fine. But as testosterone and puberty and adulthood kicks in, we have to kind of say, okay, we we we're, we need to kind of introduce you to new clubs and, and, and pass you on to it. So we can't grow. We can't... I suppose, uh, expand where we're, we're, we're confined. Now, when you're dealing with kids who really have no heritage of any sport, whether it's Gaelic football or hurling or soccer, or uh, I suppose soccer is the easiest thing to kind of kick about on the streets. The other sports require a bit more space, but rugby certainly needs a bit more space. Um, what do you find in those kids? Because unless you grow up with something, you, you generally just don't know. You've, you've got two left feet, basically. Two left feet and don't know how to catch a ball. Yeah, I've never had PE or chased your pals around the pitch in a, in, a, in a positive way. Never owned a pair of football boots. Never got used to mucky knees and cut elbows from positive engagement. So when sport was introduced to these, to, I suppose when we started off with the rugby and we kind of went into all the schools, it was it was huge. I suppose attraction for what we were bringing. Um, but like you said. 
it wasn't something that was naturally available to them because there's been no sporting facilities in this area for the last 20 years so their parents wouldn't have played sport their uncles and aunties wouldn't have played sport there wouldn't have been anybody that would have said come on we'll bring you down to the to the we're, we're all from this particular GAA club or this particular rugby club and, and you would kind of feed into that the way you would in maybe other areas in Dublin and, and around Ireland so when we started doing this it was a huge uh, I suppose uh, a huge attraction for what we were doing uh, for the young people and they readily took to it. And, and would it be apparent in the, those young kids that they didn't have the kind of coordination that develops through sport? These, so rugby in particular, whether you're tall, small, slow, fast, there's, there's a place for you in some, in some yeah. regard. And children at that age, when we were dealing with them, took very quickly to, to learn new skills or whatever. Where it became more tricky would have been, let's say, with parental involvement, where kids are going home with big mucky tracksuits and uh, early starts on a Saturday morning and uh, we need to get uh, over to Malahide to play away or something like that and there's there's an element of uh, input required for that. That was a little bit tricky because that was something that they that they had no control over. I mean, you'd bring them in a bus, I presume, but, yeah. but they have to get up earlier and they have to be got out of the house earlier uh, to make that. Exactly, and bus. they have to have their gear washed and and their, their, their gum shield ready and all that type of stuff and that was something that they probably weren't used to before um, but again there's a uh, getting the bus and all the rest of it there's a, a resource drain on that because child protection we have to have a certain amount of adults per children and a lot of the time there wasn't always readily two parents available that, that might come in and, and let's say dad might go with mm-hmm. uh, with with one and our mum might come because there would be other children at home then that, uh, yeah. that would need to be minded. Um, could you see in the kids that persisted with this uh, a, a positive development? I mean, their resilience, their enthusiasm. Uh, did you see it grow? I didn't see it grow. When I say I, I didn't see it grow, it did grow, definitely grew. But we only see them for the hour or two that we have them on the Saturday morning or at training on the Tuesday or whatever. But we got contacted by teachers, by the local guards, by community people that were saying, oh my God, what has happened to Young? In particular, it was a young guy who was particularly troublesome um, in school and they could not believe the change that it had on him. He was no longer the, acting the fool in class. He no longer had to uh, to act out or to be, I suppose, noticed all the time. Um, when he got involved, his, the, the, the impact it had on him uh, I suppose the, the the teachers were were one of the in one case um, a local guard came down and said I don't know what's happening here but the influence that I've been dealing with for the last ten fifteen years who are now thirteen forty well they're now fifteen years old um, have changed and they aren't the people that they used to be and rugby and certainly the the, the, the discipline and the well first of all they weren't on the street for as long they weren't hanging yeah. around on a Tuesday and a Thursday they were gone at the weekends they were up early they were they were engaged and they were stimulated by what we were doing. And there was more crack in doing what you were doing than the alternative on the street. Yeah, well, I had no way of comparing that. The same way as I had no way of seeing the impact I had on them until people start coming back to us and reporting that. Until the local teachers were coming down and going, this is this is really amazing. And there was loads, there's loads of examples of that. Um, and the alternative to what you were doing on the street, a lot of the time, it's just boredom. That's all they have. And boredom will a vacuum will be filled by whatever stimulation is available to them. The other thing is having to deal with your teammates, whether, you know, it's a different team. I don't know how you select your teams. Is it, you know, I get first dibs and you get second dibs and so on until you assemble a team or is it more structured than that? But whatever way you do it, you've got to cooperate with your teammates to play the game. Yeah, well, 
on a, on a broader scale than just game day, um, connection and the links that you make with those guys um, that, that are on your team and with the coaches that are engaging with you and who know you for who you are. Because rugby and particularly any sport, you get to see people's character and people learn a lot about themselves when the chips are down and they learn to lose, they learn to win, they learn to be on time, they learn to get up, they learn to listen to the whistle, listen to the referee, pay attention to stuff that's not necessarily uh, a structured environment, like let's say a classroom or um, the, the parental rules at home or whatever. Everybody has the same rules to apply and the connections that get made between those young people, friends, are for life. And that's that's still the case. We I still keep in touch with um, some of the young people that would have been involved with us 10, 15 years ago. So then we come back to the nub of the problem, which is that none of this can grow, whether it's rugby or other sports, unless you've got a place, uh, a proper place to play these sports. Yeah. And I'm looking around Dublin 8 and I'm looking for where's the green space? Well, if you're looking for green space, you're not going to find any. Um, but there is space. And the space at the moment that we're focusing on are two areas. One in Marabon Lane, where there's 11 acres of land that's been basically derelict for the last 12 years. And there's a sports centre on the corner of it, which is a sports centre in name only. It's uh, What's it like? Well, it's half a sports centre and half a homeless foyer for, um, for homeless people. And that's what happened. They built it as a sports centre, but there was no sport, so... It, be, it ended up lending itself to becoming a homeless shelter. Um, but that backs out, the back of that building backs out onto 11 acres of wasteland. And who owns it? Dublin City Council. Absolutely. No uh, land no, swaps no, no, or no, deals no. or... Well, none that, none that anybody's um, volunteered, but no, at the moment it's Dublin City Council land. And what it's state Dublin. is it in? It's... Uh, is it Brownfield? It's Brownfield. Um, we have... State can be, uh, I suppose, the condition it's in or the zoning that it can be in for, let's say, development. Um, its state is it's just derelict. There's just old telegraph poles lying around the place and a few outbuildings and uh, it's a bit of an overflow car park now and again. And there are people coming and going from it. There's a, there was a, a, a plan to put in a super depot in, uh, in there at one stage. When we rezoned the land, we were told that, no, they wanted to put a super depot in there. And we were thinking, like, you're actually prioritising bins over children here. Yeah. There's, there's there's an opportunity here to have an impact on the lives of all the people in this community. If you could wave the magic wand, what is the plan that you would have? Presumably, I don't know, the existing sports centre might have to be knocked and build something appropriate to the 21st century um, to facilitate all the clubs in the area. How many pitches could you fit? You, we only want one in that particular area. You could, you could, pit, you could fit two, possibly three. The sports centre is in great condition and could lend itself straight away to, Okay, it doesn't yeah, have to be knocked. It doesn't have to be knocked. Um, the problem we have is that the, the general attitude to Dublin 8 uh, as, a, as, a, as a locality, there are more flats complexes in Dublin 8 than anywhere else in the state. There are more people in Dublin 8 end up in Mountjoy Prison than anywhere else in the state. Even so, the north inner city? Even the north inner city. Dublin 8 has the highest female, young, young female suicide rate in the country. There are breweries and hospitals, addiction centres, um, student accommodation. We cater for everybody except for our own children. And that's really what it boils down to. And that's the bit we want to change. So if I had a magic wand, I could magic a pitch there and we could put uh, a swimming pool and we could put a running track around it all. We, but that's, we're in reality here. We're not dealing with magic wands. So we... we yeah, but the, the, you can create the magic wand if you can get yeah. well, we, the we, people, the, the stakeholders like the, the city council and the government and the Minister for Sport to say, let this happen. We've been 
talking to the Minister, Minister for Sport and the stakeholders. We've talked to, we've presented architectural plans. We've put in 175 houses and a pitch. We've done all of that. But we're, we're still here seven, maybe nine years later and nothing has changed. And the amount of young people that are no longer no longer with us in some cases some of the teams, some of the guys that were on the team uh, that we had in 2017 are dead um, more of them are in addiction and criminality um, but that's a common thread that's been running through this area for the last 20, 20 years and beyond and, and those that you've lost whether they're in addiction in prison or who didn't make it they, they, they are dead uh, the difference between those and the few maybe who benefited from everything you did and have begun to thrive. Is there any way of distinguishing what was the difference? Well, depending on whether you cruelly want to measure uh, success as being this guy went on to play senior cup rugby and went to college or this guy... No, this guy has a, a, a job, a yeah, life. Oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Lots, of the, lots of guys on the team did go on to join other clubs and went to college and are successful people. One of them just graduated as a, um, from UCD. And then there are other guys that are in Mount Jerome Cemetery. What is the resistance to your plans? I mean, you don't own the land, but the council owns the land, which means we, the people, own the land. What is the resistance? Where is the logjam? Not quite sure. It's at some corporate level in Dublin City Council that there is resistance to give this land to the community. Obviously, 11 acres of... It's a lot of very valuable land. Very valuable land. And, but once that valuable land is gone, it's gone forever. And no, there's no pitch can be can be put on something if there's a, a another hotel goes in there or some sort of uh, super depot goes in there. That's gone, and then all of the people. So, like I refer back to the point of Dublin City Council. Dublin Eight has more flats complexes in it than anywhere else in the state, and these flats complexes are just circular buildings with generations of families from the same area that have grown up there through one, two, three generations. Yeah. With nowhere to go and nothing and nothing changes, and it's all concrete. I mean, I've been in um, some of them over the years doing radio programs, and I lived, I grew up uh, beside the whole area. I know them well. Uh, there isn't a blade of grass in them. No, and if you're a school, if you're a principal of a school, and you're trying to promote health and PE and physical education, and at the same time you're asking boys and girls to go down to the tarmac car park and start kicking the ball around in between pillars and cars and whatever else. I mean, how how is that supposed to work? Um, there is a second opportunity in Maribo Lane. I, we consider both opportunities to be the same, right? So, so we're getting progress with a, uh, a kind of a public-private partnership with Hines up in Teresa's Gardens, and the opportunity in Maribo Lane is that uh, that we would expand out the uh, the function of St Catherine Sports Centre into a proper sports complex, and we could consider putting a swimming pool in there. We could consider all sorts because the place is so devoid of any investment over the last 25 years that it's long overdue and and the impact it would have that those pitches would be the busiest pitches in Europe there are so many pent up uh, requirements there from from the 15 schools that have nowhere to play PE to the hurling club the GA club the soccer clubs the rugby clubs that have nowhere to play and haven't had anywhere to play for 20 years Tom you believe this could be transformative? I believe this could be transformative when Graham set the, comp- the Liberty Saints rugby club up the mantra was to change the community through rugby and this is life-changing and could be life-changing for, for 8,500 children. Well, let's hope that uh, something comes of it. Uh, you know, the money is in this country. We know that. 
the money's there and what the uh, city council have in mind whether you know they see that there's a big payday coming in it where they just sell that land to somebody is that where they're at is it to reduce their housing list by developing more high-rise apartments in either public private or affordable housing whatever it might be with private developers is that what you know is in the back of their minds rather than providing kind of Grass yeah. for the locals. We don't know what's in the back of the minds, but whatever it is, that place has been lying idle and and remained derelict since 2011. There's no way it won't work. It's 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 so clearly obvious to everybody that's on the ground in the area the impact, the positive impact that a sports facility would have. Tom McGee, president of Liberty Saints Rugby Club, founding member of Sporting Liberties. Tom, thank you very much for your Pat. The Pat Kenny Show with Aviva Insurance weekdays at 9 a.m on News Talk.